Good morning, world. Welcome to another episode of Zendependently Minded. If you are a new or returning listener, I hope you enjoy this episode. If you're interested in more combat sports podcasts, news, and analysis like this, stay tuned because it's only going to get better from here. And be a good friend, neighbor, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, cousin, uh, divorced husband. Just be a good person and share Zendependently Minded with whoever loves combat sports because it's only the best combat sports podcast out there. So it's been about three weeks since I did a podcast. There hasn't really been that much to talk about. Um, I didn't want to talk about UFC 251 until we got closer. And tomorrow, uh, depending on where you are, tomorrow or in a day and a half, Dustin Poirier is going to fight Dan Hooker and Mickey Gall is going to fight Mike Perry. Um, Those are two pretty exciting fights. Um, Mickey Gall and Mike Perry isn't as um, important for for its division as... Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker is, but I'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the podcast since it's coming closer. Um, But UFC 251 is a stacked card. It has every fight on this card can be a main event on any given night, um, including the women's flyweight fight between Paige Van Zandt and Amanda Rebus, which um, I don't know too much about Paige Van Zandt. I know she likes attention. She's always posting pictures on Twitter and Instagram uh, with her husband always trying to get attention um but she's a pretty decent fighter she's eight and four um she has a couple submission wins decision wins i don't think she has any knockouts in the ufc and it looks like she said she's looking to go test free agency after ufc um 251 so whether she wins or loses i guess she wants to go to a lesser organization i'm not sure she's maybe she's trying to get more money she's not really a draw so i don't think she deserves any more money than she's probably already getting but We'll see how it goes. We'll see if she proves the doubters wrong. Uh, she's facing a tough, tough uh, flyweight fighter in Amanda Rebus. I think Amanda has one loss. Yeah, she's 9-1. and one. Um, I don't know um, what way she lost. She, oh, she got knocked out. So she got knocked out, but Paige Van Zandt doesn't knock people out. So I'm not really looking to... I, I really don't see this fight ending in a finish... <clears throat> I think it's going to go to decision or Amanda's going to submit Paige Van Zandt because she has a few submission wins, three or four, I believe. So for the first fight on the card, I think Amanda is going to submit Paige Van Zandt um, by the second round. You know what? I'm changing that. She's going to submit her in the first round very quickly within the first three minutes. So moving on to the next fight, a fight that I'm really excited about is Jessica Andrade and Rose Namajunas. So Rose Nami Yunus um, contemplated retiring. She said she wasn't having fun fighting anymore after she got slammed on her head by Jessica the first time they fought when Rose lost the belt. Um, but I'm really excited to see Rose back because she's a very exciting fighter. Um, she doesn't look intimidating when you look at her. She looks like just a skinny, skinny kid with short hair. Kind of looks like Caillou, but she's a really good fighter. Uh, and Jessica Andrade is also a good fighter, but I think it's coming towards the end of the road for Jessica, as far as fighting in the strawweight division, maybe she can move up. Um, she just she hasn't really. She was getting her butt whooped by Rose before she was able to pull off that lucky um, takedown and slam. Um, and I just think Rose is going to dominate her, and I think she's going to completely dominate her, outstrike her in three rounds, show great takedown defense, and I think she's I think Rose Namajunas is going to just completely dominate Jessica. Um, on July 12th. So moving on to the next 
The next fight, um, it's the first of three title fights. It's Peter Yan and Jose Aldo. So Peter Yan is one of those guys where I don't understand the hype behind him. Um, his best win is over an old Uriah Faber, an old washed-up Uriah Faber that got rocked in the first round and just wasn't there for the rest of the fight. Um, he's not that good to me. I don't think he deserves a title fight. Uh, I think Aljamain Sterling deserves a title fight over him. I think Jose Aldo deserves the title fight over him, which is why he's getting it, even off, off a loss, which is a loss that I think was wrongfully scored by the judges, but it's okay. Jose Aldo's getting the respect he deserves, getting a title shot, and I do believe he's going to dominate Peter Yan throughout this fight. Jose Aldo has a, actually a tough chin. He took some of Alex Volkanovsky's best shots. He took all of them. It wasn't, wasn't knocked down, wasn't knocked out. Um, he gets a bad rap because Conor McGregor knocked him out in 13 seconds, of course, but he's got a good chin, and Peter Jan's best, the best element of his game is his striking, and he's just, he's got his hands full with Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo is a vet. He went eight years undefeated before Conor knocked him out, and Peter just doesn't know what he's in for. I know he's really confident in himself, which every fighter should be, but I just don't think he's going to be able to handle the experience under all the pressure um, there's not going to be a crowd there, but I just think Jose is going to pull off, he's going to pull off that upset, um, because I do believe he's the underdog, and I think he's going to just, he's going to win a decision, it's probably going to be a majority decision, there's going to be some back and forth, but Jose is going to win. Moving on to the co-main event, we have a fight that I'm really excited for, one of my favorite fighters is fighting, Max Holloway's getting his rematch against Alexander Volkanovsky. So, Volkanovsky has one loss, on his entire MMA career, and I believe it's by submission, um, and Max Holloway has a few losses in the UFC, I believe he has four, um, one to Connor, two to Dustin Poirier, and one to someone else, another decision, but that's besides the point, uh, Max Holloway really got dominated in his last fight, uh, back at UFC 245, he got leg kicked to oblivion to where his explosion and just his wear, his wear and tear striking, um, you know, his 60 to 70% power kind of stuff, the kind of way that Nick Diaz fights, the way that um, Colby Covington fights, it just, it wasn't working. He, For whatever reason, the leg kicks were causing him to lose explosion or endurance or his footwork just wasn't, was off because he was switching stances the whole fight. I'm not sure, but Alex fought a near perfect fight. He started to kind of fade away in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds made it a closer fight than it could have been and I think that Max Holloway should he should kind of capitalize on that because Alexander Volkanovsky used to play rugby at around 205 215 pounds and he fights at 145 so he's cutting a lot of weight he still has a lot of muscle he's a bulky guy he played rugby at a huge neck back when he played he looked like Brock Lesnar um I think he needs to capitalize on the fact that he's cutting weight and he's gonna have He's going to have energy problems. He's going to fade if he stays as active as he did the first three rounds of the last fight, which I don't see why he wouldn't do that. He sh a fighter should always keep going with the plan as long as it's working until the fighter stops it, the fighter, your opponent stops it, and if they don't, you keep doing it until you win. And I just think Max is too good of a fighter. Um, he's too coachable. He's going to learn... He's going to learn how to check those leg kicks if he already hasn't. I hope he has. The fight's a couple weeks away. Um, I think he's going to learn to check those leg kicks. Um, he's going to check them successfully. And I think he's going to be able to pour the pressure on Alex, um, maybe bash him to the body. 
sap some more of that energy away from the weight cut, from, from how big he is, and I think he'll be able to win a unanimous decision and then maybe set up a trilogy fight. Uh, that would be cool, I wouldn't mind seeing that, or if Max does lose, I'm not sure what's left for him to do because I think he should retire, really, whether he wins or loses, because he he doesn't have power. Um, I don't see him lifting weights to get enough power to go up to the lightweight division, and Dustin Poirier's there. He's gotten beat by him twice, so... I think Max should retire, whether he wins or loses. Definitely if he loses, I don't want to see him get more brain damage. The guy's 28, he's, he has kids, um, he's got mini Max, so he should retire after um, his his fight and retire as the greatest featherweight of all time. Whether he wins or loses, I think he has that title. Moving on to the final part of this card, the main event, a very anticipated fight between Kamaru Usman and Gilbert Burns. So... It's a little crazy that Gilbert Burns is going to fight his third time um, under these no crowds. Um, he fought a couple months ago against Damian Maya, knocked Damian Maya out in very stunning fashion, and he also even showed how good he was on the ground, how good his jiu-jitsu was against the guy who many consider uh, the greatest jiu-jitsu fighter in UFC history. Um, I guess they forgot about Hoist Gracie, but that's besides the point. It's a topic for another discussion, but... Gilbert Burns also completely dominated Tyron Woodley. I think he got hit with like one good shot. Didn't really even uh, have his brain rattled or anything. It didn't really make him wobbled. He didn't get knocked down. Um, didn't get hurt. None of that stuff. He just fought like a month ago. And now he's getting a title shot against Kamaru Usman because no one else in the welterweight division is stepping up. Jorge Masvidal's gotten too big of a head. He doesn't want to fight. Um, he thinks he deserves more money. He thinks he's a bigger draw than Kamara Usman, which may be the case. I'll have to look into the numbers. I'm not not quite too sure. Um, and Colby Covington isn't getting that rematch yet. I, I think he should eventually. And besides those two, there's nobody else really in the welterweight division that deserves a title shot. Um, Tyron Woodley, maybe if he was to beat Gilbert Burns, but he got dominated. He looked like a deer in headlights, and I think that he needs to retire because his past two fights, he just looks like he didn't want to be there and he looks like he's just confused and maybe his mind wants to do something but his body's not reacting maybe it's the CTE brain damage I'm not sure but as far as this fight goes I've done a lot of film study the past couple weeks on Gilbert Burns because I've I know everything there is to know about Kamaru Usman um I know who he trains with I know how he trains I know the kind of fighter he is and how he's fought over his UFC career he's not a striker Although he got a knockout over a great striker in Colby Covington his last fight. He's a he's a suffocating wrestler and he's got a lot of power in his straight rights and he carries his power through the rounds as we saw him knock out Colby Covington in the fifth round after landing so many jabs and punches and kicks on Colby. Colby finally caved. Um and Kamara was able to carry that power through to the fifth round and knock him out in with like less than a minute left in one of the one of the best fights of the year, um, and that's that's something that that's going to t it's going I'm taking it into account with my prediction in this fight. Um, a lot of people think that Gilbert Burns, they're rightfully so they're picking Gilbert Burns to beat Kamaru Usman because of his power, because of his pressure. Um, but I'm here to tell you that Kamaru Usman is going to completely dominate Gilbert Burns. It's not even going to be fair. It might be as bad as when he fight, fought Tyron Woodley. Gilbert Burns has been knocked out. He got knocked out by Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker is not a power puncher. 
He's not a great kickboxer by any means. Um, he's a long, lanky guy. He's got a little bit of power, but he's not that great of a striker. And if you think that Dan Hooker is more accurate than Kamaru Usman with his striking, then you're crazy. And Kamaru Usman, um, I don't, I'm not, not going to say that Kamaru Usman has the edge in striking, but he definitely, it's pretty even, it's pretty evenly matched. I think if you were to give like a UFC rating, Kamaru Usman would have like an 87 in striking and Gilbert Burns would have a 90. Um, Gilbert has a lot of pressure, but Kamaru Usman will always, 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 when you fight him, there will always be the threat of the takedown. You do not want to have a guy that big, that strong, that powerful, and heavy, and long on top of you when you're getting wrestled. And the thing that is going for Gilbert Burns that he has on his side is that he is a very good jiu-jitsu guy. So there's a chance that he could wrap Kamaru up in an armbar or some kind of submission, a triangle whenever he's on top of him, because he will get taken down. Kamaru will take him against the fence. He will bash his ribs until they're cracked and dust, turned into dust. And he's he's just going to dominate him. There's always going to be the threat of the takedown, and I think that's going to have Gilbert Burns um, drop in his hands, keeping him low to try to keep that takedown defense up at 100%, and that's going to keep him, it's going to leave him wide open to take a nasty shot. And Tyron Woodley landed a decent shot on him, but it was Tyron Woodley at like 20%, not like the Tyron Woodley we know. And Kamar Usman just getting better and better. And I think he's going to dominate Gilbert. And I think he's going to either knock him out by, like, body shot. Or maybe knock him out by one of those nasty elbows like the one he hit Tyron Woodley with when he had him up against the cage. Or he's just going to ragdoll him to a 50-44 or even a 50-43. It's not even going to be fair. It's going to be crazy to watch. And I'm kind of excited to see the Gilbert Burns hype train die down because he's good. He's just not that good. And then moving on, just talking about the fight night that's coming up. Um, I believe it's in Las Vegas at the Apex Center this weekend. Dustin Poirier is finally making his return against another guy like Gilbert Burns, but someone that I like way less than Gilbert Burns. I like Gilbert Burns a lot. I have a lot of respect for him, but I don't have a lot of respect for Dan Hooker because he's not that good. Dan Hooker is really overhyped. Um, he got robbed when he fought. Paul Felder. I'm not going to say robbery. I think it could have gone either way. Those takedowns really swayed that fight. Um, I think they should have handed it to Paul Felder, but I'm not a judge, so who knows. Um, Dustin Poirier is one of the best boxers in the UFC. He's coming off a loss against Khabib, um, a fight that I didn't give him a chance in winning. He really didn't have any, any chance in that fight except for when he had that guillotine locked in, which I kept just thinking in my head like he really needs to pull full guard so he can really keep Khabib trapped and then not allow him to shake back and forth and get out of that choke. <clears throat> but he didn't. Burned out his arms. 30 seconds later, he let Khabib take his back and he got rear naked choked. So that's the end of that. Nobody has solved the Khabib puzzle yet. Um, and that's another discussion I'm going to talk about uh, with Justin Gaethje and Khabib. But I'm going to wait until that fight's officially announced because... Who knows? Maybe Khabib will get injured. Maybe his dad will die and he'll retire. Maybe Justin Gaethje will fight Conor McGregor. Who knows? Maybe Dustin Poirier will call out Justin Gaethje for a rematch, which will be one of the best fights ever. Um, but Dustin Poirier has too much power. His right hooks, his left straights are too powerful. Um, he's, he, he has underrated leg kicks. He's going to dominate Dan Hooker, and I think he's going to finish him in 
third round or the fourth round because it is a main event, so it'll be five rounds. And then Mickey Gall and Mike Perry. Um, all I'm going to say is Mike Perry's getting knocked out. He's gotten knocked out like six times his last eight fights. Uh, he didn't, I don't know why he's still fighting. He's also doing crazy stuff like only allowing his girlfriend to be in this corner. Like, what kind of fighting advice is she going to give him? I doubt she trains with him. I've seen a lot of memes about it, like, but I just, it's a stupid move. I think Mike Perry has way too much CTE, and he's, he's going to be homeless if he doesn't f clean up his act and start fighting a better style that doesn't get him knocked out all the time. But, so that's the end of that. Um, just a little recap, I, if you want to go back and skip to parts in the podcast, um, I predicted the whole entire main card. UFC 251, and then the two, the co-main and the main event for the upcoming fight night between Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker, and Mickey Gall and Mike Perry. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, I'm going to go back to weekly uploads because there's more UFC stuff to talk about. There's stuff to talk about with Conor McGregor, Jorge Masvidal, Fighter Pay, Dana White, all that fun stuff that you guys have been searching for on Google and YouTube. So stay tuned because it's only going to get better from here. Stay safe and thank you for listening.